thank you for joining us today on the Leadership uh, Cafe, where we talk with some extraordinary people who are leading remarkable businesses. Uh, I'm your host, Michael Couch. And Richard Citrin. And you know, in times of change like we're all experiencing, it's important to turn to some of our finest leaders and find out how they are directing their businesses and contributing to their communities to make everything run a bit smoother, which I think we all could agree we need help with right now. What we're seeing among our best clients is that they're realigning workforce strategies. They're reaching out and connecting to their customers and clients in new ways. They're acknowledging and appreciating the jobs being done by frontline workers, and they're taking action to help out our communities to deal with what has been a very challenging 2020. Yeah, so before we get uh, too far along, we want to make sure we thank our sponsor, Vaco. Uh, they, they are a global talent solutions company, and we really appreciate their support for this uh, for this uh, podcast. Today, our special guest is, is John uh, Megan, uh, the uh, president and owner of Lake Erie Rubber, and also the founder of a really great named company called One Leg Up uh, Pet Products. So I'd, I'd love to see the logo for that, you know, that's better, but, it's, uh, but, it, but it sounds like there's maybe uh, two reasons for that name and, and uh, we'll get into it, but welcome, John. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah. So uh, maybe if you would start off a, a little bit by telling us uh, telling us the, the interesting story about how you uh, got involved with Lake Erie uh, uh, Rubber and then where One Leg Up products came from. Sure. So it started about, geez, five years ago now. So. I was working at GE Transportation and I had been there for eight years at the time. And um, I had worked in a number of different supply chain roles and actually decided that I thought, you know, the best way for me to make a positive impact on the Erie community would be if I could help one of the small manufacturing companies in town and try to help use a lot of what I learned working at GE Transportation to grow that company, improve the jobs that were currently there, and add new jobs. And so I went on a search that took me about two years to find a small company in Erie that would be for sale. I knew that I wanted to do an acquisition. and. Eventually, after reviewing a number of different companies, I came to Lake Erie Rubber and I knew nothing about rubber. <laughs> I had never even seen rubber manufacturing. I'd seen most every other type of manufacturing through my career at GE. But when I got to this company, it looked positioned for growth because of you know, the staple employees that were there the core business that they supported and the facility itself was in a position where growth was possible without major investment. So oh, great. a business perspective, it looked like a really good candidate. And the only downside being that they had lost revenue for a number of years in a row at a somewhat alarming rate. And so here I was, with an engineering degree and a supply chain experience coming into a rubber company. I knew nothing about rubber. I knew nothing about sales and I was buying a rubber company that needed more sales. <laughs> yeah. a great learning opportunity. Yeah, but it seemed like, you know, okay, well, we, we have a group that knows how to run this facility. They, they do a good job of manufacturing the products that, that they're currently supplying and they, they have a good core group of management 
that knows how to run the company, if the only problem I have to solve is, is sales, I should be able to figure that out, right? Right, great, fantastic. And, and so, uh, yep. so that's how I ended up at Lake Erie Rubber was through that process and the decision to, to make an acquisition and then, you know, eventually coming across this business and, and feeling like it was a fit and being able to put together the, the funding necessary to get it started. Right, right. And then, and then your, your dog gave you an idea for a new product or where did one leg uh, pet products come from? So that actually came, it was right after I bought the business and, you know, I was, I was not a, an extremely wealthy person. So I had to take on investment and loans, all of which I personal guaranteed. So of course, uh, you know, risking basically all of my personal assets for this venture. Um, when we first started a few months in, things were not looking so hot. So of course I was getting, you know, pretty nervous that maybe this wasn't my best decision ever, but you know, in, in times of challenge, you tend to try to work on things that maybe you wouldn't necessarily approach. And so our manufacturing manager who has been with the company for, you know, 20 years and he knows rubber inside and out, you know, he <laughs> everything about it. And I was discussing with him opportunities for us to create and produce and sell our own product. And so the dog toy was his idea and telling me that, Hey, you know, and, and I'm an avid pet enthusiast, you know, <laughs> what I always say is the world's most expensive pug after all the things that supplied. And so when he told me, you know, we could make natural rubber dog toys with the equipment that we have right now, I thought, okay, well, you know, I can start designing some things and putting this together and developing a brand around it. And so that's when the idea started and that's how we got going on that project and it sounds like it's had some uh, some some good growth yeah i mean we so we it took a little while to develop and get molds built and create the brand uh, but last year in march of 2019 we produced our first batch of product which was one product at the time and we had no stores and no sales and <laughs> in, in the pet industry and, you know, after a year of being in business in the pet industry, we're in about 100 independent retail stores. Nice. nice. And we did sign on with a, a, a good size distribution company who services the Northeast. They service about 3,000 stores. So, you know, we're continuing to make progress on that. Obviously, the start of this year has been a huge impact on retail. That has kind of slowed our growth that we anticipated for 2020. Yeah, well, I love the groove ball, and I really love the magical mystery uh, hydrant, which I see is on the wall there behind you. So, yes. Uh, yeah. So the uh, the the dog owners uh, who will be listening to the podcast, you got to check those out. That's very very cool. And uh, both Mich both Michelle and Rich have have uh, have dogs. So yeah. So the uh, so now you yeah you brought up 2020. And so uh, that's where we'd be, be interested in getting uh, your leadership perspective. You've been through some major changes. You've done some, taken some big risks in your life. So maybe share with our listeners what you've seen from your organization, from your leadership team about how they've stepped up and addressed uh, the challenges created by the current crises. Well, the, you know, the first step was understanding what was going on. I think initially, we were immediately considered an essential business because oh, we rail 
So, you know, obviously you, you, you can't stop the locomotives from moving critical freight, including, you know, power supply, all that kind of uh, freight is included in what we, what we supply components to keep running. And then as well as we supply components for natural gas and oil pipelines and oh. some gaskets we provide, obviously going on, you, you can't avoid servicing those kind of pipelines because it can create a catastrophe if you don't do that. So because of those, we were considered an essential business and had to stay open. In fact, customers were quite adamant in making sure that we were open and continuing production. So the challenge was initially there were so many unknowns. We had a lot of employees who were afraid to come to work. Sure. So that put us in trouble with our schedule and some other things like that. So the first step was really wrapping our arms around what what is this? What is going on? And, and how do we put in place procedures to keep our employees as safe as we possibly can? And with the run on all of the essential items that you need to keep your employees safe, it took us weeks to get our hands on everything we needed to, wow. you know, hand sanitizers, gloves, um, cleaning supplies, masks. You know, we just, we had to find some creative avenues to, to get our hands on all this. this. And you were open during that time, John, while you were yeah. searching for it? Yeah, so you just kept going. Yes, so we, we kind of piecemealed it together as quickly as we could. Um, but, you know, we had to continue to operate because of the industries that we were supplying. Right. So it, it took some time to get into a rhythm where everyone felt comfortable with how we had set up the shop and, and how we were managing the cleaning and, and keeping everything in a, situated in a way that they felt comfortable being at work. John, was it a situation where you... Uh, you you kind of directed it, or was it more where your leadership team came together? What what were some of the qualities that you noted about your leadership team during this period that they either stepped up or maybe where you know they missed an opportunity and and you saw something or someone else uh, noticed sure. something that happened? Well, I think everyone became extremely resourceful. Yeah. You know, every time anyone at the company went shopping if they saw supplies that we needed they would just pick them up immediately <laughs> even while they were out shopping for their own personal items so it was really a group effort of everyone just trying to piece everything together that we needed to operate properly so what have you what have you um learned about this you know one of the things i love about your about your story is that you know you went you bought a business that you knew nothing about and that you, know, you didn't have any experiences in doing and then and then the biggest challenge you had to take on uh was was growing sales which was yet another area that you didn't have a strong background in mm -hmm. uh, so you've been in kind of a full learning curve for the last two and a half years uh, i sense and and what have you learned about yourself as a leader what have you learned about about your team and and how Lake Erie Rubber is responding to all this? I think the, the most important thing is to learn to be comfortable with rejection. <laughs> Anyone else who's in sales, I'm sure they can relate to that. But particularly when you're going into something that you don't know a lot about and you're trying to do something that hasn't been done by that company before, 
there, you, you have to accept the fact that there's going to be a lot of rejection and persistence is absolutely necessary to, to be able to overcome that and accomplish the things that, that you want to, to do as a company. So I think we all had to accept the fact that we were going to try to enter some uncharted territory for the company and for ourselves. And we all needed to, to be aware of that. The rejection is going to come, it will keep coming, and you have to just continue to try to overcome, despite at times feeling like it would be easier to give up. Yeah, so the, so uh, uh, Lake Erie rubber was considered essential. Uh, one leg up dog uh, pet products, uh, probably not, but you were able to continue uh, operating uh, and developing product there. Yeah, for the most part, we, we, we were honestly so consumed with trying to set up procedures and um, equipment to properly operate that we, we did nothing with One Leg Up Pet Products for about two months. Oh. So we were very focused on trying to supply the essential customers that we had that makes and sense. trying to make sure that our employees were in as safe a position as we could put them while coming to work. So we did very little with that brand for about a two month period. Mm -hmm. So I just saw a, a research from McKinsey uh, yesterday that said 75% uh, of people uh, have, uh, or 75% of the places that people were shopping, they had never shopped at before because now they're doing it on e-commerce. And right. the and the progress on e-commerce has accelerated in the last three months, uh, as much as it has in the last ten years. So, uh, so I'm interested. I, I'm, is, uh, is one leg up uh, in the uh, in the in e-commerce, uh, or is it mostly in in big stores? So we had done almost all of our sales through retail outlets and independent pet stores. We have a website. We do support e-commerce. We were not strong at that. And so of course, you know, now we're, we're actually, I'm working on rebranding One Leg Up because we found that the way we had initially developed the company, it worked well for retail, but it wasn't particularly effective for online sales. And wow. we've been crushed by the fact that retail is significantly down Let's move to e-commerce. We're not a strong player in e-commerce at the time. So I've actually in the past, you know, one month here, I've been building a new website myself because I need to learn the ins and outs of how to be successful in e-commerce because it's likely that that's going to continue to be an important piece for us if we want to grow the company is being able to, to connect directly with consumers online. And have you built a website before? No. You know, one of the uh, one of the findings that Mike and I have made in our in our work and our research is that one of the most important qualities for a leader is to be a learner. Uh, and it sounds like I don't know how you know whether you started this when you were ten years old or five <laughs> years old, but it sounds like you've been a learner your whole life, and you actually put yourself in situations where you're. Uh, enormously challenged uh, to, to learn something new. Has that always been a uh, kind of a philosophy for you, something from your parents or was this just in your in your genes? 
uh, that you love taking on challenges and learning new things? Yeah, I think it's always been there just from the way my parents operated and how they, they did things. But I would say also working at GE, I was on the operations management leadership program when I got there. Uh, and the idea behind that program is exactly what you're saying. They put you into jobs that you don't know anything about and you have a very short amount of time to learn, become proficient, and then excel within a six-month period of being put into a new job. So it's, it's been something that I always did and it just kind of came naturally. But it, I think going through that experience with GE accelerated and probably gave me more confidence to just try to do things that I have no experience doing. Yeah. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, that's uh, that's what the, Richard and I have been leveraging in our development with leaders too, is uh, build, build the development into the work that you're doing every day. Don't bolt it on as something extra. So uh, sure. you, you learn a normal day. Yeah, uh, uh, John, I also noted from uh, from the website that you have a diverse workforce. Um, so the other the other challenge we're facing now is uh, the, the move towards social equity and social justice. And I'm just wondering uh, from your perspective as a leader, is that been a, another area that's been of a concern and something that the organization is addressing? Yes, it, it's certainly been a concern because we, we do. We have a very diverse workforce here at Lake Erie Rubber. And so I've been very upfront in having candid conversations with every employee here to where my stance is and supporting and learning more about how they feel and what their stance is on the current situation in our country. And so it's, it's something where I have always, since I've been here, I go out every morning and, and say hello and check on every employee. So just been an additional piece to that communication that I like to have daily with the employees. And I think it helps us from a standpoint of there's there's no question in their mind uh, where I stand on things. And, and also from my perspective, I'm not questioning what their thoughts are or what is important to them because they're telling me. And what are you hearing from people and, and what ideas do you have for other leaders about uh, addressing these issues around uh, racial and social justice? I think, I mean, I think honestly that the most important thing is open communication and, and the ability to listen. And that's probably the biggest challenge we have right now is the inability to listen and the lack of patience to let someone else and hear their point of view and try to understand from their perspective and so I think just in even if our views were different and in most cases with my employees we are on the same page but even if we're different I think people respect and appreciate when someone is willing to listen and and truly consider that person is feeling and why based on their position why they're feeling that way I think that's just uh, but it's hard to to get it across the board. But I think it's really effective in in making people feel comfortable with each other. Yeah, 
we had uh, on a previous podcast, uh, we had Esther Bush from the Ur Urban League of uh, Pittsburgh. And uh, what you're mentioning is right along with the guidance that she's been emphasizing is she said, you know, own it, meet it where it is uh, and talk to people, even if they're if their views are different and ask and listen. Uh, uh, so the uh, kudos for you for you on that. Well, I always I always recommend and I hand out to all my employees. There's a book called Buddhist Boot Camp. Yes, good. It's it's a wonderful book because the the Timber Hawkeye who wrote the book is kind of an unusual person, but his point is always that you know there's a lot of people that are like him who he doesn't appreciate because they're they're unwilling to listen and understand the point of view of, and you know the idea of that is that people are who they are because of their experiences and you know their experiences until you you let them talk and explain to you so it's really difficult to have a good conversation and potentially even you know someone to understand your point of view unless you're willing to listen to theirs oh fantastic so uh, we're coming down to the end of our uh, time here and one thing that we've been uh, that Richard and I have been doing uh, is asking a question a little bit different. Uh, you know, we, we see a lot in the media right now that's talking about what the current social and business challenges have done to people, have done to us. So I'd be interested in having you think about and respond to what do you think the current pandemic and social challenges has done for you and for your company? Right now, the combination of those two things is having an impact on our economy and so the the most immediate impact to my businesses is impacting our sales for 2020 and the reason being the customers that we supply tend to follow gdp and when the economy suffers we suffer and unfortunately what that means is is it, it's not helpful for our workforce or our community when the economy struggles. And so the ripple effect in turn is, you know, potentially it can cause more issues with the social injustice because it's going to impact who are in the most challenging situations to start because that, that little blip in the radar of maybe less overtime or even potentially eventually a layoff is, is a really big problem. And so, there again, that's why, you know, for me, I'm, I'm also working on another aspect of my business. I'm potentially adding a materials lab where we're going to do testing on and the different physical properties and chemical makeup because we, we need to diversify because it's difficult for us when we're held to whatever the economy is doing. That's how busy we will be. That's not good for our employees. And so the way that we can impact that and help our employees is by diversifying the business and adding some pieces that are more resistant to changes in the economy. Wow, very great insight. Great, great. Well, John, we want to thank you for joining us today. Uh, you've shared some terrific insights with us. And I, I also just want to thank you for your recognition and commitment to the community of, of Erie. Yeah. Uh, and how, you know, your decision to buy a business was certainly in part to uh, challenge your own leadership, but also to give back to your community. And I know Erie, I know folks up in the area, great people, great community, and it needs young entrepreneurs like yourself to help uh, renovate and, and revive the city back. So 
congratulations and thank you for doing that. And, and as part of our thank you for being guests, Mike and I want to send you a copy of our book, Strategy Driven Leadership. We'll get that in the mail to you uh, this week. As soon as he and I can get together and sign a couple of copies of the book. Uh, we also, of course, want to thank our sponsor, Vaco, uh, for helping us make the Leadership Cafe an important place for all of us to visit with some of our most successful CEOs. So remember to listen to this podcast in Apple iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you find fine podcasts such as ours. You can also find it on Michael's website, Michael Couch, and mine, Richard Citrin, and well as on the Vaco website, Vaco.com. And I'm Richard Citrin. And I'm Michael Hi. Couch. And thanks to John for joining us. And we look forward to seeing you all on the next Leadership Cafe.